Hello and welcome everyone. And those of you joining us online, welcome. It is my privilege and honor to be here in front of you. I am Farah Obilidon, and I have been attending Circle Drive for the last 13 years. And I love this church, and this is home for me. So as we continue uh, our campfire series, we will unpack the principles that we will learn from the parable of the mustard seed that was read earlier. Who loves mustard? Do you? Yeah. I do, actually. At first, I did not really appreciate mustard until I came to Canada 17 years ago. Originally, I'm from the Philippines. And I couldn't think of any Filipino food that actually has mustard in it. Any Filipinos here? Let me know if I'm wrong, though. But I, I just remembered when I was young, we have this Tagalog children's song, and it's called Bahay Kubo, and it has mustasa in its lyrics. And it's funny because growing up, I have not really seen or even tried to eat a mustasa. So probably there is a mustard in the Philippines, just not where I was. But anyways, I learned to appreciate mustard and its taste, and it blends well with the ketchup and used as a condiment with the Canadian barbecue, which is hot dogs, sausages, and burgers. When you say barbecue to a Filipino, mind you, our mind thinks about skewers, about grilled chicken, about grilled pork, something that's grilled, and even chicken intestines. Well, <laughs> that's barbecue for us. Anyway, let's look at some interesting facts about the mustard. So here is a photo of what is a mustard tree looks like in Israel, the ones that Jesus is talking about in the parable. So some interesting facts. The mustard tree has influenced our culture for many centuries. It is classified as an evergreen shrub by horticulturalists and it is also known as the toothbrush tree, which is really interesting, though. Salvadora peresica is a scientific name for the mustard tree, and it can be either called a mustard bush or a mustard tree, and it's the same thing. It originated in Iran, which is called Persia at the time. It grows throughout Africa, India, and the Middle East. The mustard tree is just under 25 feet, with with three to 11 and a half inches of leaves. Its height is usually between six and 20 feet, and sometimes it could go up to 30 feet, but this happens more rarely. The mustard tree offers tasty edible leaves that taste just like mustard, and goats and camels like to eat them for their good moisture, and actually people can eat the leaves as well, as long as it is tender. It also offers fruit which comes from the flowers which grow between January and April in that region. The fruit of the mustard tree tastes sweeter than the leaves, but, that, but it has a stronger taste. You can eat it raw, cooked, or dried. And mustard seeds come from the mustard plant. These seeds are the most 
as some of the smallest of the, in the world and have been an important part in the history of spices. So going back to the parable that we read earlier, actually the parable of the mustard seed, it is, uh, it is contained in all three of the Gospels. The Gospels are the first books of the New Testament, which is the other half of the Bible. It is found in Matthew 13, 31 to 32, Mark 4, 30 to 32, and Luke 13, 18 to 19. I just want us to look back on Pastor Wayne's opening message on the Campfire series during his introduction. We learned about the principles and purposes of the parables, why Jesus teaches parables. The first one, parables always point to Jesus and his kingdom. Second, the individual parable has one major idea. And then the meaning of the parables are revealed to those who believe in Jesus and concealed from those who do not believe in Jesus. Then the parables illustrate the values of Jesus and his kingdom. And lastly, parables used to speak to the experiences of the listener. So let us see what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God in this parable of the mustard. As it was read earlier, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. The first thing that we will find in this parable, just like a mustard seed, the kingdom of God is inauspicious. What is inauspicious? Inauspicious refers to something that does not show or suggest that future success is likely. This is where you look at something and think, there is very little chance that this will amount to anything. Many times we doubt if what we are doing is worth our time and effort. There may be times where we thought that our act of kindness will have any effect to someone, such as the story of Reverend Everett Swanson. And this is his photo. In the winter of 1952, Reverend Everett Swanson fled from Chicago to South Korea to minister to American troops fighting in the Korean War. One morning, during the suffering of the Korean War, Everett Swanson was strolling through the streets of Seoul, and he saw city workers scoop up what looks like piles of rags and toss them into the back of a truck. He walked up to the truck for a closer look, and he was horrified to see that the piles were not rags, but the frozen bodies of orphans who had died overnight in the streets. 
The truck driver said to him, Last night, these children were unable to endure the bitter cold and hunger. They froze to death as they slept. On the plane back home, he asked, What am I going to do for these dying little children? In 1956, he founded the Everett Swanson Evangelistic Association, the forerunner of Compassion International Ministry, to raise awareness of the tragic plight of Korean children dying of hunger and disease to Christians across the United States and to solicit support. And since then, Compassion has grown into an organization that provides child sponsorship, scholarships, youth development, promotes survival of vulnerable babies, while also providing education and support for mothers and caregivers. On November 11, 1965, Pastor Swanson, who loved and served Korean children, was called by God at the age of 51, and his legacy still continues. I guess you've heard of Compassion Canada. Actually, I had the privilege of working with Compassion Philippines through one of the partner churches where I had my internship during my fifth year in the Bible College while finishing my Bachelor of Theology. I worked with the volunteers and Compassion staff by providing educational program for the children and livelihood training for the parents. I joined the staff in home visitation purchasing medical and school supplies for the children, clothing, and different various necessities. And these children who come from the poorest of the poor and in greatest need. I saw firsthand the amazing impact of how child sponsorship have given children the opportunity to thrive and a chance to change the trajectory of their lives and their families. I am still connected with some of the compassion children during my time. And I am truly blessed to witness how these children who came from families who were only able to afford to eat one meal a day have now become professionals in different fields and some of them have committed to full-time ministry. Let's watch, what, let's watch a video from Compassion alumni who wrote their final letter to their sponsors. We're here today and we are gonna ask you to write one last letter to your sponsor from all those years ago, just catching them up on, uh, on who you are today. Dear Brian and Amy Clark, it has been 21 years since I graduated from the Compassion Center. The day I found out that you had become my sponsor, it was one of the best days of my life. At first, it was unbelievable that somebody wanted to help us. People told us that we will never be somebody in this life. Not one person I knew believed in me, and poverty was my forever reality. But your decision to sponsor me changed all that. We knew for sure we will be receiving practical benefits like food, medical care, school supplies, and new uniforms every year. I got my first ever gift, which was my first pair of shoes. But there were some things we didn't expect. Learning about Jesus changed 
my perspective and help me make good decision. Or see my church reach out to my community and see it change. In your first letter, you told me the phrase, we love you. It was the first time I ever heard that. You gave me an opportunity to believe, hope, and dream again. If only you knew how your prayers made a huge difference. From not being expected to complete primary school, I now teach in one of the best schools in inner city London. Jesus saved us and saved my dad. I want you to know it made a difference. Sponsorship changed who I am today. My family's life has changed for the better. If only you knew how much all you did impacted me, you'd be so proud of who I have become. Ten years ago, when you stood beside me as the best man in my wedding, it was one of the highlights of my life. You did it, Jan. We did it. Thank you for pouring into me and sponsoring me. Thank you. Thank you. Sincerely, Maria Momojara. Sincerely, Owen Getanga. Sincerely, Liz Riera. With love, Sandy Miley. It was evident how one man's act of compassion may seem inauspicious like a mustard seed could lead to helping over two million children after 70 years, such as the story of Reverend, Reverend Everett Swanson. Small things can become significant things in the hands of God. In verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? This is interesting to me because here we get a glimpse of Jesus thinking. He is thinking about how to illustrate and teach the kingdom of God to his disciples. He is searching through different object lessons that will help his disciples learn and grow. The reason Jesus is searching for a way to describe the kingdom of God to his disciples is because they had a wrong view of what God's kingdom is really like. He needed to correct that. Perhaps they viewed the kingdom of God as a high mountain that towered over the world, displaying its glory, power, and majesty, such as the Roman Empire in their context. If they did, they had it wrong. Instead, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a tiny mustard seed. Jesus uses the image of something small to teach us about something bigger than we can fully comprehend. In verse 31, Jesus goes on to say, it is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. Imagine the astonishment of the disciples when they heard that. The Lord was about to describe the kingdom of God. Surely, he would use something big and majestic as object lesson to capture the global empire and impact the kingdom of God would have. No, Jesus said, it is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds of the planet. In the area where Jesus lived, it was the smallest seed that people used. To help his disciples understand the kingdom of God, Jesus used the tiny mustard seed that was planted in the ground as an illustration. God's kingdom 
likes to take the small things and unexpected things and use them for great and mighty things. You see, you see this over and over throughout the scripture. Jesus took a boy's small lunch and used it to miraculously, miraculously feed thousands. God took a small family to build an ark for the coming flood, such as the story of Noah. God used a forgotten man named Moses who lived in the wilderness to lead God's people out of slavery. God used a young boy with a slingshot to defeat the giant Goliath. God used a little baby born in a stable to save the world. God can take something or someone that seems small and insignificant and turn it into a blessing that reaches many. The second principle that we will learn from the mustard seed, the kingdom of God is growing. Jesus goes on to say in verse 31 and 32, it is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Let's, let's walk through each of these phrases about the kingdom of God being compared to a mustard seed. Jesus said it is the smallest of all seeds, even though the mustard seed is very small and it is not the smallest seed in the world. So here is a photo of a mustard seed. I guess many of you here have seen a mustard seed, right? Okay. However, to the people Jesus was talking to, it was the smallest seed they used and knew because it was a common seed and because, it was its, because of its size, it became the symbol of that which was tiny. Jesus decided that this very tiny mustard seed was the perfect illustration to help his disciples to understand something about the kingdom of God. As you will see, it is the little things that God uses to make the biggest difference. Jesus goes on to say, it is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. When the tiny mustard seed is planted in a good ground, it germinates and produces a large shrub-like plant that eventually grows to resemble a tree. Some mustard plants have been known to grow as high as 15 to 30 feet tall, as mentioned earlier. So the image that Jesus is wanting us to get, something very small becoming very large, something that doesn't seem significant having great significance. An example of God's kingdom starting small and growing, something that didn't seem significant but had great significance is the spread of the gospel and Jesus' disciples. Jesus began with 12 disciples. Later, there were as many as 500 believers in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. Then Peter saw 3,000 becoming followers during Pentecost. And throughout the books of Acts, that number steadily increased, such as in Acts 4, verse 4, Acts 5, 14, and Acts 6, verse 1. The point of the parable of the mustard seed is that something big and blessed, the kingdom of God, had humble beginnings. 
how significant could that short ministry of Christ be? He had but a handful of followers. He was a man of no rank and without means. He, he lived in what everyone considered a backwater region of the world. The life and death of Christ did not catch the world's attention any more than a mustard seed would laying on the ground by the road. But this was the work of God. What seemed inconsequential at first grew into a movement of worldwide influence and no one could stop it. The influence of God's kingdom in this world would be such that everyone associated with it would find the benefit. Pictured as the birds perch on the branches of the mature mustard plant. The history of the church has shown Jesus' parable of the mustard seed to be true. The church has experienced an explosive rate of growth through the centuries. It is found worldwide, everywhere you go. And it is a source of sustenance and shelter for all who seek its blessings. Despite the persecution and repeated attempts to, atta to stamp it out, the church has flourished. The message has been carried to other nations, and one day believers from every nation will worship him before his throne. The third, the kingdom of God is influential. Jesus goes on to say, it is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants and it grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. The influence of the kingdom spreads throughout the world due to the long branches and all types of birds or people who have been able to, ble to be blessed by its shade. What could that be referring? The kingdom of God has blessed people in practical ways. The mustard seed and the mustard plant were used in several ways. First, shelter. Its branches spread abroad, offering a place for the birds to rest. In the shadow of the plant, the birds found shelter from storms, rest from their weariness, and shade from the heat of the sun. Second, food. People gathered its leaves and served them as food. The seeds were crushed and used as a condiment, giving flavor to some of the more bland foods that were available. Third, medicine. The seeds were crushed and mixed with other things to make medicine to help with snake, scorpion, and spider bites. It was also used to fight colds and other illness. The long branches of the kingdom of God have been providing shade for many people for many generations to all nations. Everywhere the kingdom of God has gone, it has brought with it, with it its hospitals, schools, truth, morality, and ethics, decency and compassion, and above all, salvation. Wherever the gospel has gone, it has abolished cannibalism, child sacrifice, polygamy, demon, demonism, slavery, racism, and thousand other such evils, but it has built orphanages and cared for the sick. 
Wherever the gospel has gone, it has provided halfway houses, recovery programs, shelters, housing, and disaster relief. Red, yellow, black, and white, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, deaf, dumb, blind, and crippled, the good and the bad, all types of people have found shade underneath the kingdom of God. Look at David. He was a mustard seed. He was the youngest son in a family of eight boys. He was ignored and given the job no one else in the family wanted, taking care of the sheep. God took that mustard seed and make a giant killing king out of his life. Consider Gideon. He was a mustard seed too. He was from the smallest family in the smallest tribe in the nation of Israel. God took Gideon and used him as a great military leader. Don't focus on the size of you. Focus on the size of the God who can use you. The same is true with how one person has influenced my life towards her faith in God. I was born from a small town in southern Philippines. My story is one of those typical Filipino families whose parents went to work abroad as an OFW or an overseas foreign worker and left the family behind for economic reasons. Before I turned one year old, my mom went to work in the Middle East as a nurse, and she was a single mom, so I was left in the care of my grandparents. When I was three years old, both my grandparents passed away. Then I was passed on from one family to another family of my mom's siblings. Don't get me wrong, my mom is an amazing woman. And some of you might have seen her. She loved me and my brother the most. But with the given situation, she has to do what seems to be the best for our family. The families of my uncle and aunts took good care of me, but growing up without any parents by my side was challenging. I was angry and didn't understand the reason and the need for my mom to work abroad. The financial and material provisions did not compensate my longing for acceptance and sense of belongingness. I had issues with abandonment and was seeking attention through rebellious ways. I ran away from home during my sixth grade and looked for my biological father, whom I've never met since birth. Although I failed that attempt to look for my father during the time, but in the same year, God started healing me from my brokenness. When I experienced his unconditional love and he became my Abba Father. Through the chaos I was in, God led me to the family of my Aunt Suzette. I think some of you have met her. She's been coming here before. When I lived with my Mama Suzette, as I call her, she was attending a Christian church and was committed to her faith to God. Through her family, I found a sense of belongingness and acceptance by her simple gesture 
of just introducing me to her friends and co-workers as one of her own child. Just that simple gesture. And her children treats me as their own sibling and introduces me to their friends as part of their family. Raising up a teenager like me was quite challenging with all the baggages I carried growing up. But despite that, Mama Suzette showed kindness and patience towards me. She does not talk much about the Bible or about God, but her actions reflected God's grace and unconditional love. And by that, I was drawn towards her faith and towards the God that she serves. From then on, I started going to church with her on Sundays. And then I got connected with a youth group. One Sunday, some missionaries came to visit our church, and, was, and I was so fascinated with their stories that led to my interest to learn more about God and His Word. I started reading the Bible and books about the stories of missionaries, such as Hudson Taylor, David Livingstone, William Carey, to name a few. After graduating from high school, I have the desire to go to the Bible college to learn more about God, about His Word. So I went to pursue my Bachelor of Theology. And while I was there seeking God's call, the desire to become a missionary teacher came. So I went on to pursue my Bachelor of Education after graduating from the Bible College. However, after finishing my education degree, God opened the door for me and my family to come to Canada through my mom since she was already working here in Saskatoon. Leaving behind the church and ministry, my family and friends in the Philippines, and coming to a new country, and on top of that, leaving with my mom for the first time after being away all those years was very, very challenging. But God wanted me to deal and face the hurt, the anger, and the resentment I have towards my mom. The healing process took years. And I believe that God has healed this part of me when God took away the resentment and I learned to be grateful to my mom with the choices she made back then and her sacrifices to provide a better quality of life for me and my brother. Instead of being resentful of my past, God gave me a new heart and a new vantage point. By acknowledging that everything I went through in life was all, of, was all part of God's story. I wouldn't be where I am today and be effective in what I do as an early childhood educator if not for the pains of my childhood. The, the love and passion I have for the children under my care boils down from what I went through. And the passion I pass on and instill in the early childhood education students that I teach through one of the community colleges. Believing that God's ways are higher than my ways, I trust God with what the future holds. Many times I feel that I was running away from my calling, but actually God opened doors of opportunity for me to fulfill his plan and purpose. Instead of going to different countries and work as a missionary teacher, 
God reversed the order and allowed me to meet people from different parts of the world through working in an organization that helps and assists newcomer immigrants and refugees. And on top of that, God has opened another door for me to teach ECE international students in one of the community colleges. With the influx of international students, newcomer immigrants and refugees coming to Saskatchewan, God has placed me in a strategic situation where I can plant mustard seeds in the life of those I get to connect with. Take note, I don't consider people as projects to win for God. But I'm planting those mustard seed moments as a reflection of my gratitude and love to God because He first loved me. For the last 17 years that I have been here in Canada, there were high and low seasons. And I am glad that God led me to circle. Meeting friends and mentors through those years of participating through Vantage Point, Alpha, Bible Project, and taking part as a volunteer in different areas of ministry are just few of the highlights in my years here in Circle Drive. Last year, as I was going through cancer, As I was going through cancer and chemo treatment, words are not enough to express my gratitude to this church. My circle family who rallied behind me in prayers, but more than that, many of you have planted those mustard seed moments in my life by being there through providing the meal train, sending text messages, encouraging notes, and even extending financial support. You know who you are, and I praise God for your lives. Mind you, those mustard seed moments you planted did not go unnoticed. What you did was an evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness as I was going through one of the most challenging seasons. And I am grateful and humbled by your obedience to God and investing in my life. I don't have it all together. From time to time, I deal with anxiety, depression, mental health, and struggles in life. But I trust God in the process, and I am looking forward for more of those mustard seed moments. The same is true for every one of us. In the grand scheme of things, we are a mustard seed. We are small, we are tiny, most of the people on this planet may never know our name. But God decided to save us, to fill us, give us a new heart, a new mind, a new purpose, and a new direction. At this time, I'd like to request Dale to come up and play a music for, for us. And I also want to ask you, to close your eyes, to bow down. Think of how have you planted mustard seed moments in the lives of your family, in the lives of your friends, 
What mustard seed have you planted in the lives of your neighbor, your coworker, your circle group, to our church volunteers? What, what mustard seeds have you planted in the lives of our board of elders and our church staff? Within the last week, the, la- the week before, or the last month, just have some time to reflect. What are those mustard seed moments that you have encountered? Now I want you to open your eyes and listen to my voice. That little conversation you had where you shared the word of God with someone may be the turning point that that person needed. That short prayer you prayed with your friend may be the key to mountains being moved. That small act of generosity because of your love for Christ and people may be the shade someone needed to get through those difficult crises. That small act of kindness that was prompted by your faith may have been the shield that protected someone from the flaming arrows of the enemy. That smile and friendship you extended to a newcomer family of immigrant and refugee in our church, to your next door neighbor. Maybe the welcoming environment they needed as they settled their new home here in Canada. Those brief encounters may be big moments. Those small, consistent prayers may result in mighty movements of God. That little word of encouragement may be life or death for someone. Again, don't overlook the mustard seed moments in your life. Small things can become significant things in the hands of God. Bottom line for this parable, the parable of the mustard seed teaches us about the kingdom of God spreads from one person to another, one generation to another, and one nation to another. It is about the advancement of God's kingdom and how God uses the, what seems little things to accomplish big things. God bless you, everyone.